Hello and welcome to the Eastman's Predator Pros Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Nimnick, and I am back. I finally took a day off from killing coyotes so I could record a podcast. I've <laughs> been scrambling, trying to get these out there fast. I like this. I'm recording this podcast and it's coming live to you just in a couple days. So a uh, quick turnaround right now. But uh, hey, what can I say, man? The coyote hunting has been phenomenal lately. Uh, I've had some coyote classes going. We just got back off a phenomenal filming trip in Colorado, which you guys are going to see here, I think, essentially the same day that this podcast launches um, over on Lucky Duck's YouTube channel. You're going to see Last Stand episode, I believe it's episode seven, um, season six. And it'll be our first day in Colorado. We killed 11 coyotes. So uh, it's going to be a, a jam-packed episode full of coyote footage and, and cool stuff. So you're going to have to check that out. But uh, no, it's, you know, End of November, first part of December, the coyotes have been coming in great right now. I'm sure a lot of you are out there experiencing some of the, some of the same stuff right now. So hopefully this keeps up for a while. Um, you know, this is probably my favorite time of, of the season to kill coyotes is right now. We finally get some cold temperatures, finally have a little bit of snow. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and then, you know, later this week, I'm headed up to North Dakota uh, we're going to be filming more future upcoming episodes of The Last Stand, so I'm excited. Going to hopefully check off North Dakota on my list of states where I've been fortunate enough to kill coyotes, so definitely looking forward to that. Um, but uh, we'll talk about that on a on a future podcast for sure. But uh, on this podcast, got a guy by the name of Fonzie Haskell. He uh, works with Four Horse Outfitters up in Northeast Wyoming. You know, he's a rancher. He's an outfitter. And obviously, coyotes are a big part of all of that. So, um, and he's a coyote hunter himself, so it'd be be fun to talk to him about the the life of a rancher and an outfitter and how coyotes play and all that. Um, some of the, some of his experiences with all that. Uh, you know, just just BSing, man. A couple coyote hunters, see what we can talk about. But it should be fun. But before we jump into that, I want to thank you guys as always for making this the number one predator hunting podcast out there. Your reviews go a long, long ways. Um, you know, if you're looking to find more information about myself, if you need to want to send me a, an email, send me a message about the podcast, what you'd like to see in the future. Um, you know, you can go over my Instagram page, which is at Jeff Nimnick, and that's G-E-O-F-F. Um, might be the only Jeff you find on there potentially, at least has a coyote in their profile picture. Um, or you can go to my website, which is coyotecraze.com. Um, you know, if you're interested in upcoming classes and things like that for next season, subscribe to the newsletter section on the, on the homepage of my website, and then that'll add you to the database. And then when I do release dates next August, you'll be the first ones to get notification there. And then, too, if I release some cool uh, coyote craze, you know, coyotes fear me hoodies or something like that, that, uh, you know, when that store opens up from time to time, you'll get notifications of that. Um, so, so yeah, head on over there. But before we jump into the podcast, I need to thank the sponsors of this episode, which are Sig Sour Optics and Juniper Mountain Coffee. Now, I've been shooting the Sig scopes now for for a while. I get a lot of questions about, you know, how am I liking? Obviously, I shot loopholes for a lot of years, shot SIGs now, uh, you know, for well over a season. Um, and I'm really liking it. You know, the durability is one thing I was really questioning, um, you know, after shooting loopholes for a lot of years. You know, my gun's in my truck for about five months straight, uh, beating it around, bouncing around, and, and the zero never let, would never, I would never have to reset my rifle in. Um, and it's, it's been exactly the same way with this SIG Sierra 6 BDX that I'm running. So have been extremely happy with that. It's holding zero, just like I would expect in any quality scope. Um, you know, and I, I really like the price point, you know, 
I think it's important when you're looking at optics that you're comparing apples to apples, you know, and I think by doing that, you're looking in the same price range. You can't compare a, a $3,500 scope to a $1,200 scope. It's just not fair. Right. So, you know, I think if you take any other scopes out there and you, and you see what a, a SIG scope will get you in that, you know, that, that scope I'm running is a Sierra six a BDX a five to 30 by 56 millimeter. So, you know, I'm getting six X magnification, which is huge. Um, you get in the BDX system in there that pairs right up to my, you know, kilo, you know, 4k range find of binoculars, which is pretty sweet system. Um, you know, so I think the value is really, really good for somebody that's not wanting to, to drop the bank. You know, I, I used to run a loophole VX three. I glass wise, I think it's very, very comparable. I can't tell the difference there. You know, the only thing I don't like, um, about the SIG scope is the is the reticle size and and there's really nothing you can do about it you know i've just i came from a background of shooting a fine duplex scope um with loopholes so very very thin thin crosshair well just due to the technology in these sig scopes the crosshair is a little bit thicker because it has the built-in led lights in it which makes long range shooting a little quicker right when i shoot my rangefinder and it's bluetooth into my scope the dot instantly comes up on you know the downward part of my reticle well, it has to be thick enough to to house that LED. And obviously they made it as small as possible. Um, but, you know, that it's a little thicker than I like. But does it matter? Ah, still killing coyotes, uh, like always. So if you're in the market for some new optics, head over to sixhouroptics.com um, and you can see everything they have to offer. Now, Juniper Mountain Coffee, I'm still not a coffee drinker. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I still haven't tried their coffee. Um, but I was actually just over on the Eastman's page the other day and, and Ike, and uh, Todd Helms did a really good review on Juniper Mountain Coffee on why it is what it is, you know, using their small batch, um, you know, sourcing out the the fields and stuff in South America where they where they get these beans. They were raving about it. I mean, these guys are coffee drinkers the way that they were. Uh, I don't even know what you call it. They have like a little pot and they they crush their own beans and they put a little, I don't know, piece of paper, like a filter down in there and they. They put the crushed beans down in there and then they poured the hot water over it. And they said it was like the freshest way to make a cup of coffee, but they said it was pretty damn good. Uh, I'm going to take their word for it, but maybe you're a coffee guy. Um, you know, maybe you want to give it a shot. I know right now they have about, uh, you know, free shipping on orders over $40. Um, they did have a Eastman's code. If you put promo code Eastman's in, you got 10% off your order. I don't know if that's still going or not, um, but you might try it. And uh, throw that out there and save a little bit of money. But hey, maybe you're looking for a Christmas gift coming up for somebody. Maybe you got a coffee connoisseur in the house. Um, you're looking for something a little bit different, uh, or maybe you just want to support a great company that's supporting what we do. You know, bottom line, that's that's why I like them. You know, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I love the fact that they they want to support everything that we're doing, especially in the coyote world. So, um, you know, if you're in the mo in the uh, market for anything coffee related, head on over to JuniperMountainCoffee.com. And you can see everything they have to offer. Well, Fonzie, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for taking the time. You bet, Jeff. It's my pleasure. You know, I know you're know you're a busy dad right now. You're sitting at gymnastics, uh, waiting on your daughter to get out of practice. So if anybody's watching this on the uh, the YouTube channel, you know, you'll be like, I wonder why it's so dark in there. Well, Fonzie's hiding in his pickup out in the parking lot, huh? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Left wrestling practice and came to gymnastics. So hey, that's not bad, right? There. Divide and conquer. <laughs> no, no, because it should certainly be worse. Is there gymnastics season? I'm a, I'm a big sports guy, but it, I didn't know. Is it like every other sport seems to have a season? Is gymnastics like a year-round deal? 
It, it is, uh, at least for my daughter anyways, they have, you know, kind of late fall this time of the year and into the winter, early spring is when they have their competitions, uh, their meets and stuff, but she, uh, she does it year round in the summer. They, they're busy with all kinds of clinics and different stuff. And, you know, I know very little about it, but, uh, <laughs> what I, what I see her do and, and hear from her, but yeah, it's, it's a year round thing. It's not like, you know, uh, football and, and basketball and wrestling, how they kind of all have seasons. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's year round. So. Well, good deal. Well, we're yeah. going to talk about some, some coyotes, you know, I've, I've actually never met you. Um, you know, Scott there at Eastman's kind of hooked us up and said, man, you need to get with Fonzie and talk some coyotes. Um, so I'm kind of just curious to kind of get your background, get your take on, on coyote hunting and, and see where this thing goes, you know? Right. Well, a few years ago, um, I guess you and I didn't formally meet, but we were in the same place at the same time. I was uh, kind of helped run one of the hunts for the, the Wyoming Best of the Best series. Um, I was one of the coordinators for the Northeast Wyoming hunt. Oh, one year it was in, one, a couple of years it was in Newcastle, and then a couple other years they called it the Gillette Hunt. Okay, and, yeah. And uh, we yeah. had our check in check in at Rosette there at the Rosette Bar and Cafe, and I yep. think I was the guy outside. Uh, weighing coyotes and other guys were inside checking in stuff so i mean yeah, yeah we didn't formally meet but we were at the same place at the same time type of deal so yeah you know, it's always dark it's, there, it's, it's you a know? small it's world dark outside and right checking those coyotes and in. everybody's running and... everybody through exactly yeah cold <laughs> tired hungry <laughs> dark yeah right. yeah so right so through our brief conversations so it sounds like you're you do some outfitting Yes. So I'm an, I'm yeah, out there. Fill, fill me in for, on that. Uh, that hunting, you, you bet. Hunting operation called Four Horse Outfitters. We're in Northeast Wyoming. We're uh, a fairly good sized operating or outfitting business. Uh, mule deer, antelope hunts are kind of our bread and butter, but we also branch out in some elk hunting and whitetail hunting and turkeys in the spring. You know, over the years, we've taken a few guys on some predator hunts for coyotes and stuff, but uh, we operate on most mostly private land um we hunt roughly oh probably about 280 290,000 acres and about 85 percent of that is, is deeded land so we have nice. access to a bunch of stuff but you know hunting those species um majority of majority predator of those species is a coyote uh yeah, so yeah. i absolutely see the benefits in hunting coyotes and you know just to kind of keep numbers in check I'm I'm not the guy that says you know every coyote needs to be dead. I they absolutely have a place in the ecosystem, but I, like all things, I think there needs to be some sort of a balance um, of some kind. Yeah. And you know that's di different for everyone. You'll get a different answer or definition of that, you know, when you ask different people. But uh, anyways, our, our experience here. I've been here for 25 years now um, as the out as you know guiding and outfitting, working on the ranch that I do, and so. Um, you know, I got a, a pretty good idea of how things operate around here and, and how we think they should. And, uh, you know, really familiar with the country and coyote behavior and stuff like that. Um, how'd you get, how'd you get involved in this enough. outfit? And I, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that are like, man, that'd be my dream job, man, to be an outfitter. I can hunt all the time, you know, not knowing right. all the behind the scenes kind of stuff, but how, how'd you stumble into it? Uh, you know, just luck and, and just timing and, and circumstances. Uh, so I was born and raised in Southwest Wyoming in Rock Springs. And in high school, I started high school rodeo and, and got to know other guys around the state that rodeoed too. 
um, and got to become pretty good friends with uh, two guys in particular, Matt and Chad Birch. And their family owns a large ranch, the ranch that I work for here in Northeast Wyoming. The ranch is called Pickerel Land and Cattle Company. They also own a, a rodeo company, Birch Rodeo Company. In fact, they just left today to go to Las Vegas to the NFR. They've got yeah. some livestock down there getting ready to compete. Uh, but anyways, after high school, um, I wanted to you know, come to Northeast Wyoming, the Gillette area. I had some other friends here, wanted to rodeo and uh, just kind of a change of scenery. And just got to hang around Matt and Chad a little more and become better friends. And, uh, you know, Matt and I had uh, interests in hunting in common. And uh, he said, well, you know, I'm trying to start a little outfit and business here uh, and, you know, looking for some guys to help guide on the ranch. Would you be interested? And I was like, yeah, don't threaten me with a good time, <laughs> right? Up, so, right. So, uh, and then he said, you know, we're looking for some guys on the ranch too to work. You want to work on the ranch? I was like, heck yeah. So, that was the fall of 98. Uh, I started working for him on the ranch full time and, and, and guiding hunters. And it, it was a pretty small operation when we started. We took six, eight, maybe 10 hunters, you know, deer and antelope hunters, uh, because Matt's parents leased to another outfitter. And so, you know, we only got a portion of the ranch to hunt and uh, you know, then partnered up with, with some other outfitters and kind of got a little bit bigger, a little more experienced, you know young guys in their early twenties. Um, and, and you've got other guys, blue collar guys that have you know been saving money to invest on a hunt. And, yeah. and they're like, Oh, we got to hunt with these snot nosed kids. Of course, you know, we're <laughs> the age we, we knew everything, or at oh, least we thought we did, but, uh, right. But it's, it's, that's how it all started. And it's just grown from there. Um, you know, getting to, uh, be around other guys that have a little more experience and you know the outfitting business is not just the hunting side of it you know because there's a lot of guys that are very accomplished hunters but probably wouldn't be very good guides just yeah, because yeah. you know personalities and things like that yeah but you know just learning things like that that you know customer service how to treat people how to you know take care of them and and stuff like that it's it's been a lot it's a lot of fun and a, and a, and a learning and a growing process and we've been lucky enough over the years to uh you know, get to be on featured on some various hunting shows. Um, and you know, that, that's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, my mom calling and say, Hey, I just watch you on such and such hunting show. I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, kind of embarrassing it after the fact, but it's, it's, uh, you know, it's fun. It's, it, you realize how small a world, uh, the hunting world is and how many people know each other. And you're like, Oh, I know that guy or, Hey, you know, this guy's been there and hunted, you know, with with one of my good friends it's got his own outfit and you know whatever right so uh and the crazy thing is scott reekers at eastman he and i grew up in the same exact town um i'm a few years older than him so i didn't know him but he was actually in the same class as my younger sister so oh, i'm like no kidding. you know crazy we just yeah, yeah we just finally meet this year you know but it's uh you know small small world how all that stuff just kind of plays out but yeah that's kind of the gist of of how i got into uh, out fitting grew, grew up hunting you know spent a lot of time outdoors uh, my dad and older brothers uh you know hunting mule deer and elk mostly and then uh i just enjoyed hunting so much i was just looking for any opportunities and any species to hunt so got into hunting antelope and still waiting for the game of fish to give me a bighorn sheep or a moose tag so i can hunt those too but uh you know i just enjoy hunting anything and everything and how many how um, many points you, you know, sitting at right now for those tags I think 18, 18 or 19. Awesome. I'm, a, I'm a little bit behind the curve on Max, but 
getting closer. So yeah, I can yeah. almost almost smell it. So uh anyways so growing but, yeah. up in rock springs yeah. i mean that's like yeah i mean you got access to i've been in that country you know over the years quite a bit you know like you said antelope mule deer coyotes i mean it's got it all yeah yeah uh you know in coyote hunting i didn't really start getting into that um until you know after i came to this part of the state but even down there you know friends and i we'd teenagers in high school like hey let's go out hunt coyotes and not knowing what to do but just just trying, you know, getting out there and seeing them. And I think I actually killed my first coyote when I was hunting deer type of deal, you know, just saw him. I was like, heck, well, we're not hunting deer anymore. We're hunting coyotes now and shot him. So <laughs> I just, I've just always been fascinated by it. And they're such, they're such amazing animals. They're so smart. And, uh, you know, to try to beat them at, at their game is, I just enjoy the challenge, but, you know, away from the busyness of hunting season, um, you know, I don't get a lot of, uh, do a lot of hunting for myself just because i'm busy guiding hunters yep. uh you know we run a lot of hunters through in the fall probably all the species that we hunt and all the seasons archery and rifle and everything we're we've got probably 60 between 60 and 70 hunters coming through in the oh, fall yeah. so you know, it's it's busy and i don't get a lot of time to hunt for myself but i can you know working on the ranch i'll be out you know during the day checking water wells or you know feeding and stuff like that and i can throw my call in and i always got my rifle with me it's like hey i can go do this and, and go make a few sets afterwards and 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 doing that and and just gaining experience doing that's kind of just uh you know made me enjoy it that much more you know just like anything finding success i've you, i've also been lucky enough to go ahead no i was just gonna ask you if you remember your first called in coyote uh yes my very first one that i called in by myself was actually a double um and that was absolutely i still have very vivid <laughs> memories of that it was an absolute riot i'd actually gotten lucky enough to go hunt with a guy by the name of merv griswold who um merv's yeah, an old name. Yeah, coyote hunter name. yeah yeah merv's you know just great a ex uh, lot of experience and a lot of experience dogging coyotes so, you know, me working on the, on this ranch and uh, getting to know Merv, he's like, Hey, you know, you, you know, that ranch pretty good. How about if you take us out and kind of show us some places to go and uh, you know, and I'll, you know, teach you what I can, or just, you know, have a new friend to hunt with. I'm like, heck yeah, let's do it. So I got to go with him and dog some coyotes and just kind of learn a little bit from him, you know, how to, where to make sets you know, sounds to make and things like that and, and learn some tips and, and tricks and tactics from him. Uh, and just enough to kind of be dangerous. Yeah. But that very first call in, I, I just got done hunting like a long weekend with him. And actually I think he was, yeah, we were doing some filming for, um, Don Lawbaugh was doing the filming from ELK incorporated. He makes a bunch of hand calls and he's been in the, in the film industry for a lot of years. And in fact, Don, and so his business elk incorporated was uh it, it was an acronym for eastman lawbaugh creations and him and gordon eastman years ago used to film uh stuff together a lot of the old uh high country mule deer and a lot of those older gordon eastman tapes okay, yeah. don and, and gordon worked on those together so you know don's from gardner montana and he he's made a, a whole bunch of different calls, elk calls and coyote calls 
uh, all of them hand calls. Anyways, he was uh, had made some new calls and was making a new video, and I got to go out with them, you know, and access the ranch that I work on and 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 watch those guys film stuff and and Merv call and watch the dogs work. And I was like, man, this is awesome. So I went home and uh, after that and loaded my dog up on my four wheeler. He's just a you know ranch dog, blue here border collie cross. And uh, and I went out to where I knew there was some coyotes. I'd heard them howl and uh, you know parked the four wheeler, walked over the hill and just kind of set up, sat there and was glassing before I started to call. And I could see a coyote off. Oh, I don't know, 250, 300 yards away, maybe further. I didn't have a rangefinder time. This was pre-rangefinder, so <laughs> it was a long ways out there. So uh, I just thought, well, there's a dog out there, you know, mouse in her hunt. So I just started doing a little bit of rabbit squalls and some predator distress. And this coyote was coming on a beeline and my dog was sitting right next to me. And uh, so I'm just watching this coyote come through the rifle scope. He's getting closer. And all of a sudden my dog's kind of getting up in my lap and he's, he's bumping me and knocking me off my rifle. I'm like, what the heck's going on here? So I started elbowing him, get out of here, get back. And I take my head back from the rifle and look at him. He's like, get away. And there was a coyote circling right below me, like 30 yards below me. I was like, oh, that's what he's looking at. <laughs> so I, I swung on that coyote because he was so close. Well, he just got downwind and winded me, broken ramp. Well, I swung back over on the original coyote. So I'm still coming. And, uh, I was like, well, that other one's gone, busted hot, but this other one's still coming. And he came to like, I don't know, 125 yards maybe and stopped. And I shot him and dropped him. And I was, I was like, yeah, I was so excited. Well, that coyote that was circling below me, he ran right to that other coyote that I just shot oh, and was geez. smelling of him. I thought, well, there we go. There we so go. I the <laughs> shot that one too. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if there's any more coyotes coming, but they wasn't because I was screaming and hooping and hollering. But I remembered that. That was my first uh, first time I ever successfully called one in. It was a double, and I had my dog there with me. And uh, I loaded them on the four-wheeler and took them home. I was so proud. And uh, I remember my wife took pictures of me. She's like, you're ridiculous. I was like, I know, but this is fun. So what, yeah, what time I, of year was that? Really, was that like a, really was that like a spring, summer time or a little bit later? Uh, that was late summer, early fall. I think that was kind of okay. like early to mid September. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah and then they were, they were mature dogs. You know, it wasn't uh, pups or young of the year. It was, they were both mature. It was a, it I'm doesn't just, matter. It doesn't matter. A, a Fonzie, come on. No, we right, don't care. Right. We don't discriminate. It was, <laughs> it was coyotes. Exactly. No, not at all. Not at all. I'm an opportunist. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, that was my first successful call in. And, you know, I'd been hunting with other guys that have called them in and I'd shot them, but that was the first time I'd ever done it solo. So solo. I was hooked. Nice. Yeah. Heck yeah. What what year was that? You think? Uh, that was two, 2006. Okay. So everything was still pretty new with like the electronic call market. I mean, there was kind yes. of some front edge, you know, stuff out there, but yeah, everybody that was about the time everybody was making the transition from cassette decks and hand calls and really kind of jumping on the e-call train. Exactly. Huh. That's, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. <clears throat> so progress now, I mean, obviously, you know, your day-to-day -day job working on the ranch, like you said, a great way to scout, like you're, you're seeing yes. where coyotes are. I mean, I talk about this, I don't work on a ranch, but I know a lot of ranchers and, and I hunt on their ranches yep. and number one thing, man, is Intel when it comes to coyotes sometimes, especially in this big open country that 
that we're talking about, right? Like exactly. coy- coyotes, coyotes are everywhere, but they're not right. Like you, it's yeah. very tough to look out across the, the landscape and say, well, I could make 10 different stands out there, you know, but where do you really go? Intel's a huge part of that. Like knowing where these coyotes are hanging out, like you paying attention when you're doing little things like that, you know, probably stuff your wife is like, what are you doing? You know, and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm making a mental note of where that coyote howled, where I saw him when I was feeding and stuff like that, you know? Right. Yep, exactly. And that, that's the big, that's the biggest thing is, is yeah, the intel. Cause yeah, you can look across that country and say, you know, oh, that ought to be just chuck full of coyotes. Well, it could be if it has what they need. Right. You know, yeah. when you think about uh, any other animal, you know, food, food, cover water, uh, water being the biggest thing. And, you know, look out across there and, oh, there's, you know, stock dams and reservoirs and creeks and everything else. And, and, th- and that's good if, if it's open water and they can get a drink, but this time of the year, when you got reservoirs starting to freeze up and your, uh, you know, cricks quit running or whatever, and it's not easy for them to get to that water, then, you know, maybe they're not going to inhabit it as much. Maybe they're going to move to where there's a more reliable freshwater source, you know, open water. Um, and you know, on the ranch where we have, uh, you know, livestock wells, that's, and a, a good source or mm-hmm. if there's natural seeps or artesian wells you know those are those are one one thing to to think about probably in my opinion probably the most important thing to think about is is a water a reliable water source um yeah definitely in but, certain parts know, of the country uh, hands down right you know obviously right. if you're listening to this and you're hunting coyotes in the eastern midwest east i mean there's water freaking everywhere right but you're right, right you know you get into the you know i consider some of that wyoming country more desert than it is anything right just because of the lack of water sure. in that big sage country similar to like arizona new mexico places like that where you know water's a premium and if you can find it man that's you're right that's a great spot to yeah. to to start your search for for coyote exactly. stands yeah yeah and there's you know there's a lot of things that that play into that obviously a prey source or a food source um you know, and, and it depends on the time of the year as well. You know, in some places, you know, people calve, uh, start calving a little bit earlier than other people. We don't calve until the first of May. Uh, so, you know, predation is not typically a problem for us because there's other more easily attainable food sources for coyotes around here that time of the year than having to worry about fighting a mama cow to get a fresh calf. You guys, do you guys get those will. big old grasshoppers up in your country? Sometimes. Yep. Yeah. That, you know, we've been in this Sandhill country, Nebraska. I see a lot, you know, those early October hunts, sometimes those big, I mean, we're talking, these suckers are like two inches long. I mean, they're about as big around as your, your thumb, you know, and I see the coyote crap and it's got the little legs. I know they just walk around eating these things like easy, easy food source for them. But then, you know, when it freezes, then you'll find these dead ones. Nutrient dense too. Yeah. Well, I've always heard like eating crickets and stuff like that. <laughs> My wife would freak out about eating them, but yeah, like stuff like that, high that protein hungry. and stuff, you know? Right. Right. And, and easy, easy to get, you know, it's not, oh, yeah, they they're expending very out, little energy to gain all a bunch of energy. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unique. You know, when you start looking at different parts of the country and, you know, you, especially that fall months when you're talking about, you know, fall pup dispersal, and everybody's like, oh, man, the calling should be so good right now because you got these, you know, what, 50, 60, 70 percent of the coyote population are these five, six month old coyote pups that are just figuring out the world, haven't been hunted yet, really. And but, you know, sometimes different parts of the country, they're still 
lots of food out there for them until you really start getting right. some winter, you know, to, to make them have to struggle and have to work a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, and, and with those more readily available food sources for those, uh, younger dogs, you know, prey to stress might not work much and, and you might have to use, you know, more vocalizations, coyote vocalizations to attract their attention. And, you know, maybe, maybe they've had their ass kicked once or twice and they're like <laughs> yeah. a little gun shy trying yeah, yeah. to, trying to find a place to go. So you, people say, Oh, them dumb old pups. Yeah. Maybe they're not so dumb as we think they are. You know, they're curious, uh, I think by nature, but you know, they're still, they're still a coyote. They're still yeah. smart and, and a little, little bit, maybe gun shy about that kind of stuff. Yeah, it is. It is unique thinking about some, that's why I just tell people, Hey, wait till about the first of December, then about anywhere where you're at, you're, you're probably good when it comes to, <laughs> I, I always have, yeah. I don't know about you. I, it seems like, I've had some really good hunts in like October and I'm a seasonal coyote hunter like you probably, you know, I'm not hunting them yep. around, but you know, I've had, you know, I've had some good hunts in October, but sometimes it's like, it's, it's just a, it's a grind because yeah, there's a lot of coyotes there, yeah. but they just don't, they're a lot of them are just not locked in yet when it comes to coming to the call. But then you wait till about now, first part of December, you know, they're, I think they start freaking out a little bit or something. I don't know what it is. You know, like, oh, man, I better not pass up this opportunity right here because it's cold, a little snow on the ground by now or something, you know. Right. Yeah, it's 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 uh, uh, it's amazing how, yeah, how they kind of just cycle like that because it's it's a pre-breeding season. But you'll you'll find some starting to maybe get a little territorial. And, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it, there's probably several different factors that kind of trigger that. Uh, that's what's so to me, so intriguing and so, um, fun about it, because if it was, if it was so easy and guaranteed, there'd be a lot more people doing it. Uh, <laughs> but you know, there's lots of times you just go out and for whatever reason, stars don't align. I mean, you're seeing, you've scouted, you, you've heard them, you've seen them, you've seen the sign and you're in great country and great calling conditions. And just, you know, you'll get multiple stands in a row for some reason, just nothing shows up and you're about ready to throw your sucker in the dirt and quit and go home and throw a fit and then all of a sudden it's like oh i got time for one more before the sun goes down or before i get home and then they absolutely run you over and you're like i don't know what i did different yeah. but it worked this time and you found like, the right now coyote. I'm hooked again so right yeah yeah it's just whatever for whatever reason you were in the right spot or you know i don't know sometimes you get on the edge of one's territory and he's just like yeah no thanks or or they even saw you walking into a stand and, and, you know, big open flat country. And he was laying down under a sagebrush, taking a nap and just happened to look up and see you walk in over this, over the skyline and, and sat down and he just snuck down in the bottom of the draw and quit. You know, they were there, but just yep. didn't want to play or whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just stuff like that. With, with you being on that ranch yeah. every day working and things like that, how often are you seeing coyotes in areas like, back-to-back -back days multiple days in a row thinking well that's the same coyote it's you're out there feeding about you know mid-morning every day and there's like the same i mean do you do you run into some instances like that where you, you think the coyotes you know like you can kind of pattern them almost in some cases where you just you know see the same coyote or maybe it's a different coyote, but you see coyotes about the same time in the same place you know frequently yeah, I think so. There's been times that, you know, like, uh, you know, on the feed ground, something that I'm doing consistently, same time, day after day after day after day. And, 
you know, and, and coyotes, they're opportunists. They'll, they'll come, you know, chew on a frozen cow turd or if, uh, you know, something else was there. I, I've seen coyotes one really, really tough cold winter. Um, there was some antelope that winter killed out on my feed ground and coyotes were, you know, just coming by got to where they were just chewing on the hide. They'd kind of had it picked over and the only thing left was the hide. Um, and I think they were, you know, maybe coming a little bit before sunup, but then they kind of dropped their guard and wasn't finding anything else to eat. So just coming back to chew on that hide and got a little, uh, lackadaisical and coming a little bit later in the day. But yeah, there's, there's times that they'll do that and kind of pattern. Um, and you know, I've, I've got a rifle with me all the time. So I'd like a coyote. I'm an opportunist too. I'll shoot them <laughs> from the tractor. But I think, you know, they get used to that. They're like, God, oh, you know, that that's not a threat to me. I, I've seen that guy, you know, that tractor the same time for the past week and a half or whatever that I've seen him here. So I think they get a little comfortable and, and, and complacent um, and, and drop their guard. So I think there's times that, yeah, you do see the same coyotes and, and they do get patternable. Um, but then I think also yeah, they're so dang delusive that if they hear or see something out of the ordinary, you know, like if I'm not, if I'm driving around checking water wells uh, in a winter pasture for cows that I'm not feeding every day, you know, I won't make it there every single day, you know, two, three times a week. And uh, you know, if I just happen to be coming through there uh, at an irregular time or just when a coyote's in the same spot that I'm at and I, I don't, I think sometimes they see something out of the ordinary like that and they'll just lay down behind a brush or just sneak down into a draw and, uh, you know, not, not be as patternable, uh, because, you know, maybe it's a little older, a little more experienced dog that's, you know, maybe been shot at before or, you know, or winded somebody, you know, or just something like that to kind of keep their guard up. Um, and, and, you know, they become elusive and, those are the ones that we need to kill. We don't need to kill yeah, the, yeah. The, the dumb ones, right? <laughs> those, I always wonder, you know, the reason I ask that is I just, you know, somebody that's out there all the time, because this is questions I talk to my ranchers that I know about and stuff like that. But the problem is if, if they're not coyote hunters, they don't pay attention to a lot of this stuff, you know, to them, it's just not a coyote. They see, right. right. Like, but if you sure. get a rancher that's out there all the time, that is a coyote hunter that starts studying this stuff a little bit and paying more attention, you get, you get a little bit better intel out of it, you know, but I've always wondered yeah. like, like size of their range. Right. I think that's, I think you ask 10 guys and you'd probably get 10 answers. You know, I just wonder right. like those days when you go out hunting and there's a fresh snow and you walk into a stand and you cut two sets of coyote tracks in the snow. So you're like, well, okay, those are less than, you know, eight hours old. Cause the snow, you know, you just know because the snow stopped. Right. And then the wind's right. not hardly blowing and you set up and call and you're like, man, my call auto went out there a freaking mile. And then you don't see sure. anything. And I'm wondering to myself, well, I would just wonder, were those coyotes there or are there those, these particular coyotes ranges just that big, you know, that they were just out of uh, earshot, you know? Right. And, and I think in places, I, I think in places they are, I think they do have uh, bigger ranges than others. And I don't know, I suppose prey, probably contributes to that um it seems like i i was uh i was able to serve on my local county predator board um for a few years and just kind of hearing reports of the trappers and stuff you know den numbers when they would be denning in the spring and early summer you know hearing what size uh litters that they were having in those dens 
you know, it, it's, it's kind of interesting how those cycles and how they trend, you know, when the prey yeah. base is high, then they'll have those larger uh, litters. But when the prey base is, is lower or smaller, you know, the smaller litters. And I think when they have those smaller litters, maybe their range is a little bit broader and, and covers more, um, you know, because there's more competition for food yep. and, and they have to range more. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's cyclical and I think it's kind of, um, you know, just dependent on the, on the geography and the area where they're at. Um, so yeah, it's, again, I think, uh, I think if it was easier and, and, and more patternable, more predictable, there would probably be a lot more people doing it, but because <laughs> it's such a challenge and they're so adaptive, um, so able to adapt that. It's, you know, that's kind of just what keeps people guessing and, and it's what makes it such a challenge and, and enjoyable. When I hit the lottery, I, that's what I was wanting to do is like have my own collar experiment on coyotes, right? Like get a helicopter, mm. and like get me, you know, a handful of coyotes and collar them so I could like GPS track them. I, I was just, it's yeah. one of those things I just, it just fascinates me. And like a lot of things in coyote hunting, we'll never really know, right? Like I talk right. about this a lot, like all of the stuff we do in coyote hunting is a lot of theory based, right? Because we, sure. we don't have somebody sitting out there watching this coyote that's coming in. Right. So do we know, was it specifically because that particular sound we played brought, you know, we just little things like that. You'll never know, right. We'll never know. I mean, it's always your guess it, versus it, yeah. mine and your, your opinion versus my opinion. And there's these small instances of things we see. And then we make these big, broad vast assumptions based off of that right you know there's yeah, a, lot of, there's a right. lot of things in the in the game of coyote calling that are based off of that when in the way people approach stands and, and call coyotes and things like that so and but the the you know you you mentioned earlier like territories right like you know yeah how defined our coyote that's one of those things too i just don't really know is it you know you talk about wolves and okay they got this territory and they travel it and, and they stay here and, and do whatever you know it seems like there's been a lot more research on wolf travel and things and there has been coyotes and and then you start throwing in these transient coyotes right like these younger coyotes that really don't have a place in the world and they're kind of they're the ones that we hope are out there right because we come in and shoot a coyote out of a place that's what we're hoping right is there's this transient coyote coming through to kind of fill in that gap so the next time we come back whatever right. that may be that there's a new coyote in there for us to kill i don't know it's just it's just stuff that i'd just i'd i'd love to think about because I don't know if we'll ever get a damn answer on it, but it's, it's cool talking to guys like you that are out that understand coyote hunting that, but the, you're out there. Right. And you see, I'm out sure. at these ranches like three times a winter, you know, you're out there every day, right. Kind of looking at coyotes yeah. and kind of seeing how, where you see them and where you don't see them. And it's just interesting to me. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's, uh, yeah, I think that's what makes us, makes us tick. And I think, you know, guys that, that are, um, competitive um it doesn't matter if you're competitive with somebody else or yourself or against your you know quarry or whatever um but just trying to learn constantly evolve and learn and, and and learn these angles uh you know i think those kind of questions are are what drive us and, and help us you know just uh what what can i do different what what are they going to do you know and try to try to be not a bunch of steps behind hopefully a step ahead yeah, but yeah. that's really tough to do with coyotes you know <laughs> at least at least be walking on the same sidewalk as yeah, they yeah. Are. Uh, you know but yeah I, I i agree i mean just that's that's what keeps us uh keeps us coming back is just trying to 
trying to answer those questions and and come up with more questions. Yeah, for sure. That's why, like, you got to think, right? I think there are some some yeah. coyote hunters out there that kind of just get set in their way, and they almost I'm not gonna say they get numb to it, but they're but they just somebody at one point told them this is how it's supposed to be done, right? And so they just right. they just like they get locked into it. They don't. That's what they think is 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 instead of maybe thinking really the way we're doing this or the way this guy showed me or this guy told me to do it. Is that really the best way to do this? Right. You know, so I exactly. just, I like to spark a little bit of, uh, you know, think tank stuff, right? Let's say, Hey, is this really yeah. the best way to do this? Maybe it's not, maybe. Yeah. Does it work? Yeah. But is it the best way? Who knows? Let's sure. try some different stuff, you know, but, but we got to know all that yeah. stuff to, to make some of this stuff work, you know? Oh, exactly. Well, I think the old adage, right? Trust, but verify. Um, you know, I, that's why I enjoy getting to hunt with other guys and just learn from them, learn from their experience, you know, glean from them what has worked for them, because I think there's crossover, um, a little bit and, and, and it doesn't matter where you go. I've, I've been lucky enough to get to hunt with, uh, you know, Alan Morris. Uh, I got a dog from him, a pup and got to hunt with him a couple of times and, and, you know, in the, late spring early summer and, yeah. and learn from him and you know he's he's a, a a competitive accomplished um you know coyote hunter and i've learned from him and you know i think personality types play into it too because al's uh he's an extremely competitive guy and you know kind of his personality type is it's very um you know just push forward and, and go 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 and that's not who i am i'm just kind of a more reserved you know laid back and let's not rush it type of deal uh you know it, he and i have two different calling styles but it works for him you know his calling style works for him and and i've uh, i've taken some of that and applied it to my my hunting and it's like yeah you know that works i've i've hunted with a whole lot of different guys in different different places different country and you know different places different tactics work better than than in other places so yeah. i i think like to your point asking those questions and, and questioning stuff and saying, Hey, you know what this guy told me? Yeah, it might work for him. And I can take a little bit of what he's saying and, and apply it to how I hunt. And, uh, and I can take from this guy and apply it and, and, you know, and find out what works, but you can go and do one. You can go, you can go hunt and call in one style one day. And the, and the next day it doesn't even produce anything for you because why because the moon face because the wind changed directions because the wind isn't even blowing because the sun's not out it's cloud i mean all of these different contributing factors right um and so i think yeah just being out uh and and trying to call in so many different varying conditions weather conditions different locations using different sounds throughout the year i think is just going to land better to find find what works best the most is that uh, is the government trapper program still pretty alive and well up in your country yes uh so it's um they used to have offer bounties uh but anymore they've changed it throughout the state that every county has a um a predator management board and um brand inspections uh help fund that and then also their the legislature sets aside some money uh every every year for each uh county predator district to to you know fund it so you know it's it's up to the the boards so the way it's by statute in wyoming uh you can have 
three representatives from the cattle industry. You have three representatives from the sheep industry. You'll have three representatives that are sportsmen that don't have any affiliation with the, with any agriculture. And then you'll have one at large position. So you have 10 sitting board members for every County board. And then it's up to the, up to them, how, how they operate and, and fund their board. Um, some counties will also take, you know, federal um, funding and use uh, federal trappers and, and planes and stuff like that. And some they'll just do it, you know, totally in-house with uh, with their own stuff. So it's uh, it's it's interesting. It was very, very interesting to be a part of that and just kind of see how that works and, you know, get some experience with the with the board. But, you know, there's some very, very experienced coyote hunters that guys that are doing it year round. They're not just, um, you know, they're shooting gunning from planes and helicopters and they're running snares and they're running traps and you know they're calling and uh it was real real fun to get to meet those guys and know them just kind of learn from them too on this on this ranch country that you manage and and work cattle on and things like that do you does does the government trapper do you have a government trapper that that does some aerial gunning trapping m44s that kind of stuff from Oh, a lot or I'm just curious, you know, because, you know, obviously coyote numbers, coyote densities on a place that you're planning on calling is pretty important if we're talking calling coyotes. Right. Right. And I've always wondered, right. you know, how that affects if you've if you've had a government trapping program where, where it's aerial gunning, poisoning, trap, whatever it may be. Obviously, they're knocking down that population to some extent. I just didn't know how that related to some of the stuff that you go out and call. If you're seeing like, man, this is just it definitely they have knocked the knock the population down or is it i know they do that stuff certain time of year you know like calving season you know fawning season and things like that they'll gun maybe a little bit harder out of the airplane or helicopter but right yeah just any any correlation to any of that where you've been out on some of your stuff where you're kind of managing it and you see you know exactly when the government trapper maybe has been there or hasn't been there uh, yes so i didn't really i didn't really um pay as much attention to it you know prior to serving on the board but after serving on that board and learning more about that and kind of how they do things and, and they're where one thing that i learned was uh you know they they focus primarily on the problem coyotes that they're getting reports on and where they're getting any kind of killing which is mostly in the sheep uh don't see a lot of it in the cattle uh you, you do see some but you know those guys if uh, those ranchers uh, if they if they see a little bit of that they'll report it to those guys and you know they're johnny on the spot and come try to take care of the problem coyotes and and they know they got the problem coyote when the killing quits yeah yeah um so where we don't have any sheep we don't re necessarily run into i would say problem coyotes they're welcome you know they know that they're welcome to come and and fly over our place or, or uh, trap and call and whatever else because we do have some neighbors that do run sheep so, you know, there's a little bit of a spillover and crossover there and, you know, we don't have any problems. So I typically, when I'm hunting, I'll not, I'll not set out to go out and hunt those places. But if I happen to be in those places and, uh, you know, checking water wells or doing whatever, and I do see some fresh sign, I will, I will set up and call just to try to, you know, help those guys out, help the neighbors out. But yeah, those coyotes in those places where they're when they're getting hunted where they're getting called uh playing uh you know snares and 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 traps 
they're those son of guns are wild. <laughs> they're on edge. They're wily, and they're. I mean, you've got to be on your A game to to trick one of them and and get them killed because they've been hunted. Especially the problem ones. Um, those things get really smart. You know, and and uh, you know, visiting with those guys, it's amazing how adaptive coyotes are and the natural instincts that they have to to perpetuate the species. Um, one guy he was uh telling me that they had some. One of the neighbors had a bunch of sheep getting killed, and it was uh, it was late spring, early summer. So coyote and pups were big enough; they were coming out of the den, and uh, they were in some big old rough country in one of our winter pastures. It's big old rough country, but right next to those sheep, and so they were really struggling to get in there and get those coyotes killed. But every night, you know, they were coming up with dead lambs. <laughs> well, they they got in there, they found the den, and they killed the breeding pair. But the pups had kind of scattered on them. They were big enough that they got out of the den and kind of scattered. And uh, so they, they killed the bitch, figured out how many pups she had. And they were able to get a few of the pups out of the den, but not all of them. And uh, they they still had more killing. They're like, what the hell? These pups ain't big enough to know to kill these um, these sheep and kill lambs. Well, finally, they, they got the... the the, the dog killed and it was like an uncle or you know a relative somehow of this den that was killing sheep and hauling them back to feed these pups and uh it took a while but it's like man that's amazing that they would you know take after their own like that and just to perpetuate the species that they have that instinct in them that's why man they're so damn smart i'd heard that you know i don't ever i'm not ever out hunting in that time of year but the guys that i know that do the decoy dogging they yeah. I've heard them mention that like they call it like a nanny coyote like it's yeah, like this right. third exactly. wheel that's out there kind of helping it it's just it's once again you know coyotes by nature are a solitary animal right they're not a pack animal they have yeah you know they nope. have these times of year where they have these family groups so that's just it's so weird to me like that's just one more notch on the belt for coyotes just being just the most intriguing animal i think you know the way that they can i agree you know do things it's it's wild yeah, but, but you made a good point, you know, about numbers. I think there's a lot of new coyote hunters out there right now that that think there's an endless supply of coyotes, right? And, and to yeah. a certain extent, there is, but we only have X amount of coyotes per year, right? Coyotes only breed sure. once a year, and you know, I I think like you you have an aerial gunner come in, right? And they shoot, you know, twenty thirty coyotes in a day. Did they put a den in them? In the overall picture of the coyote world, no, probably not, right? No, but, not but locally all. localized in that in that little region that they aerial gunned at. Hell, they made a they might have killed fifty percent of the coyotes, or even if they just killed thirty or forty percent of the coyotes, there's not right. going to be there's not going to be twenty new coyotes tomorrow that move in there, right? I mean, that's what no. you have to realize. It, it's going to take time. Like it depends on the carrying capacity on the outside of that region. What was shot, yeah. right? How fast do those coyotes move back in? These transient coyotes, maybe that haven't established things. And I think that's just where some guys don't quite understand when they're trying to, the, you know, they go back out to the same spot and they're killing coyotes, a few coyotes here and there, or something like this goes in place and kills coyotes. And then they wonder why they're not calling any more coyotes in, right? Right. Big part of it is, well, there's probably not that many coyotes out there anymore. And the second part is the ones that are left now, like you mentioned, they've been pressured now, they've been stressed um, all things that, that lead to the coyotes acting a little bit different, you know? So it's one yep. of those things, again, something to maybe twist your brain around a little bit, think about, 
you know, when it comes to to why maybe things don't always working out the way you want might just be because maybe there's no coyotes there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> because ultimately that's their yep. job, right? The, the government trappers, like they, they're not, they're not like us. Like we want to see a few coyotes left because we want to call more coyotes. Now nah, they're, they're all about eradicating coyotes, you know? So exactly. <laughs> that's what their paycheck depends on. So <laughs> And I, and I think the majority of them that I've, I've, you know, had any discussions with or, uh, you know, been a part of listening to, I, I think the majority of them are probably understand that total eradication is not practical. Yep. However, you know, yep. and, and, and I don't think that's the goal of any of them um, or they, you know, would never sleep and would, not, <laughs> would be constantly running trap lines and everything else. But, I think, you know, the, the problem coyotes, the ones that are creating havoc for them, um, you know, and then they get the calls from the lady that lives on the edge of town that her, her cat's missing now, you know, whatever. And, and only speculation, oh, somebody at the coffee shop said that a coyote might've got it, you know, can you come out here and look? And they get plenty of those calls, but I think the majority of them are, are legitimate and, and, you know, Hey, I got lambs killed or found a calf dead and, you know, coyote tracks around it, that kind of stuff. And, yeah, and yeah. I, that's, I think, where a lot of their focus is. Earlier in the podcast, you talked about doing some some filming trips with some of these hunting shows and stuff like that. What was your, yeah. I'm curious, you know, because obviously we have a coyote show and things like that. What was your first take when you ever, when you took the first TV show out and, and you were dealing with the camera guys and all that kind of stuff? What, what was your take on that first time that ever fell into your lap? Um, you know, I think I was probably a bit starstruck because actually the very first one, uh, it was, we, we did a lot of stuff with the TV show, the best of the West, uh, okay, for a yep. lot of years and the very first hunter, the very first hunt that we ever did with them, the hunter was actually Michael Martin Murphy, the country music singer, oh, yeah. uh, you know, so he, he super guy a lot of fun to be around and i mean just you know talented musician and pretty cool guy to be around uh he wasn't an avid hunter he had hunted in the past you know but not an avid hunter so we were trying to get things set up to you know increase success and opportunity and stuff like that so there was pressure with that and you know just be kind of being starstruck but it, <laughs> it was kind of funny right after he killed an antelope with us and he killed a, a mule deer buck and uh when he got the his mule deer buck killed uh you'd have to know my boss and 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 good friend matt birch he's he's a he's a character and he's a little coarse and a little rough around the edges but i mean <laughs> one of the best guys in the world and uh one of the one of the film guys asked michael martin murphy he said hey murph uh that's a pretty good buck you gonna get it mounted and he said or he said, or he said, Murph, that's a good buck. You gonna mount it? And uh, he said, Yeah, yeah, I think so. And Matt says, You got a hard on? I'm like, Dude, you can't <laughs> say that to him. <laughs> and I was like, Well, broke the ice. <laughs> Welcome to Four Horse Outfitters. <laughs> so yeah, it was, I, it was, it was kind of fun. But I, you know, understand that the kill shot was the most important thing, and getting that, and then going back and and filming all of the other stuff afterwards. You know the chambering around and dialing the scope <laughs> and turning the man all of that stuff i'm like yeah really but i i you know i get it but i'd kind of done it enough that um you know there's some of their stuff they would air an episode i'm like i was there and that's 
not really how it went, but whatever. I mean, yeah, you guys yeah. got a got a show to <laughs> produce and product to sell. I get it, but yeah, it didn't take long. I was like, yeah, another TV hunt, whatever. <laughs> and so, I mean, it was it was fun, but the glamour was over, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. That's what I don't think Just a lot of people hunt. realize when it comes to film, like all like the extra, like you yeah. know that was one when we started the last stand show that's what i i was like because i was just like nah man we ain't doing that this is gonna be different right like we're not right. filming flipping the safety off because like if anybody realizes anything they'll realize like they didn't have a separate camera like focused in right on the safety when the guy flipped it off and then they zoomed right. back into the deer you know <laughs> right. that was all filmed after the fact so yeah i said no we're there's gonna be no uh <laughs> none of this uh after the the fact crap we're filming it all real time right but yeah and i, I talked to I guys like, like you that's been around that for the first time and they're like yeah man oh man we sat around and we had to film this we had to film that and <laughs> yeah and i watched it and it didn't even happen that way it's just had the the magic of editing you know <laughs> exactly well and i i got enough experience that i kind of knew stuff that they were looking for like as far as b-roll and so, oh, yeah. you know, there's kind of some unique things around, kind of unique to the area and stuff like that. And I would intentionally go, so, hey, you know, we got a little downtime here or the hunting's slow. Let's go do this and get a little, you know, you can film a little B-roll or, you know, we raise bucking horses on the ranch and there's a lot of ranch or a lot of horses running around and big, loud, colorful bucking horses, a lot of paints and, you know, big color yeah. in them like that. So I'd say, hey, you know, we're close to a bunch of horses. Let's go drive close to them and you guys can film a bunch of you know bucking horses running loose out you know on eleven thousand acre pasture and yeah so you know do stuff like that to just try to try to get some you know more unique b-roll instead of you know what you would typically see um so you know that part of it wasn't bad but you know i kind of got tired of seeing myself on tv <laughs> and on camera like i'm I got a face You're like, for damn, radio. I sound I like that. That's, what, that's what <laughs> right. Yeah, like, exactly. That's how, I sound, that's, I sound I like, like that. that. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My wife let me out of the house like that. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> she must be mad at me. <laughs> have you yeah. ever, have you ever had anybody out there filming coyote stuff? Have you got to do any of that? Oh, uh, yeah, we did. Uh, um, I, yeah, I, I know did. you mentioned early on when you were working with the with Griswold early on, like long time ago, but in recent years. Yep. Um, Not anything. Not anything real recent. I uh, did do some stuff with the guys at Best of the West too, kind of in their off season. Uh, you know, we did some some uh, late spring, early summer stuff, kind of some dog and stuff, and uh, it did a little bit with them. And and you know that's that's a lot different. You know, camera when you're in a stand uh, calling and trying to call something into you, that's that's a lot different. You got to you know that cameraman <laughs> is a is a essentially another hunter and you got to make sure you get him positioned in a spot that you know he's not going to blow your cover or anything like that or be sticking out but also you got to be mindful of where he's at that he can at least get footage yeah yeah, um, footage or he's no good to you right exactly so that's kind of a new challenge and you know a little added extra element um so that that was fun uh just you know the challenge of it um yeah that's that I haven't got to do anything within the last few years. I guess, yeah, when Al Morris was here a few years ago, we did some stuff for their uh, Fox Pro Fur Takers and, and had that cameraman in. But, you know, he had had a lot of experience. He knew what he was doing. He knew where to sit and, you know, how to kind of break up his outline and camouflage and when to move, when not to move, stuff like that. So, you know, I think having 
if you got your regular old you know tree stand whitetail hunters hunting show and then they want to come do some uh, coyote hunts you know there's there's going to be a huge learning <laughs> yeah. curve but if you've got if you've got guys that have experience with it and have done it in the past you know and, and successful then you know I, it's just like you know hunting with other coyote hunters yeah, yeah. type of deal was my experience of it yeah the filming always had a lot of guys like want to add that extra element into it you know yeah as easy as it is to film stuff nowadays whether you're just filming it with your cell phone camera or you went and bought a you know a little camcorder or whatever it is yeah i think that's i i talked to a lot of guys that that appeals to them like i want to go film my own stuff and th- it adds that extra especially for coyotes because you're right you know you're adding oh, this yeah. extra guy you're adding this extra movement um yeah, i've always i've always enjoyed the challenge but there's nothing better when you get when it all works out like so perfect and you're like damn right. we just got that all on camera man and everybody got to witness what what we witnessed that's that's where it's at absolutely well and yeah I, and it's fun to share even if, if if you put it up on a youtube channel or youtube page or whatever or just you know share it on social media facebook or instagram or, or you know just saving it some sort of archive so you can send it show it to your kids or oh, you, you know friends or something in the, in the future I, I mean that's yeah that's fun to do or or you know a few years down the road you're you watch it again it's like oh i forgot how that happened or you know i forgot i'd forgot all about that deal yeah yeah just think if we all had our very first coyote that we called in on camera that we could all watch right forever right (laughs) right (laughs) right that'd be fun so now obviously all your big game stuff's done so you're you know we're just going to be feeding cattle now hunting coyotes any other you know you talked about running helping run those contests and stuff like that is that uh is that still on the the schedule for this winter to do that or? um no I, I i'm not doing that i just kind of stepped back from that just as my kids have gotten a little older and more involved in sports you know wrestling's a winter sport and oh you bet it's every weekend yeah. but yeah. uh you know it's a good friend of mine a guy that i worked with for a lot of years on the ranch and then uh he guides hunters with us he and uh he and another friend of ours they're running a hunt here called the top dog hunt uh it's it's a it's a really good hunt it's coming up here in a couple of weekends and i wanted to hunt that it's really cool how they have it set up how the payout is um it's it's you know run like kind of like a barrel racing like a 4d 3d 2d and one one dog could win win the whole deal and then they've got little side pots um, it's a really, really good setup how they do it. And I wanted to hunt it, but I mean, it just falls on junior high district weekend of junior high wrestling districts. And I'm like, well, I only got a few more years of that. You know, I'll, I'll concentrate on them doing their wrestling and then get back into that yeah, yeah. Uh, hunting contest. What but, town of Wyoming yeah, is I that just, in? Gillette. Gillette. All right. Right at Gillette. Yep. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a great hunt. This, I, I think this is their third or fourth year. They've got quite a bit of added money some really good prizes for the prize table and then like i say you know a bunch of the little side pots um and some other friends of mine have, have won it and i think they walked out of there with 6500 bucks wow uh it's like whoa yeah well maybe junior high districts will have to wait <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good little payday hunting coyotes uh so yeah it's uh it's 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 cool how those you know contests are are, are evolving and uh yeah well, you know, for there's, sure there's lots of them around you know it's it's unfortunate in, in some western states new, new mexico now and i forget yeah, arizona uh, colorado few, yeah there's a few of them been on the chopping block and yep. those are, are are done away with and it's really really unfortunate 
and you know the hunting world is small and then you get into the coyote or predator hunting world and it's even smaller oh you bet and uh you know one thing that really drives me crazy is seeing all the polarization in the in the division that takes place on um you know social media uh and, and it doesn't matter you know whether it's archery hunters you know uh, traditional uh uh archers versus the compound guys versus the crossbow guys <laughs> yeah. like why man according to the rules and regulations and the definitions of this of wyoming game of fish you're all archery hunters why do you have to create these lines of division and yep. and there's you know so much more of that that you know people that are hunters but oh i'm glad they're doing away with trapping you know that's just cruel and inhumane it's like <laughs> it, it, yes yes and no i mean it's it's necessary and you know just because there's a few the guys that, that are the exception that aren't responsible and don't get out and check their traps and their and uh snares on a regular basis yeah those are the guys that are kind of spoiling it for everybody else but i mean we've got to find common ground so even you know going to these competitions and participating in them even even if you you know don't have any luck or you get skunked or you don't really have the time i think just showing up and supporting them is just part of the bigger picture the greater picture of hunting because you know at the end of the day we all are hunters and it doesn't matter what we're hunting we all are hunters the same and um you know we just need to find common ground no we don't have to agree we don't have to get along on everything but i think if we kind of peeled back the layers of the onion we'll find that we have far more in common than we don't and uh you know we're doing when we get in these little pissing matches we're doing the bidding of those that oppose us <laughs> oh um, yeah doing the work for them and it just drives me nuts yeah you you hit the nail on the head man it's it's one of those things that you know coyote contest is the one that's it's right on the tip of the spear too you know and right. i know there's everybody that's listening to this podcast probably doesn't care you might not ever have any interest in going competing in contest and that's okay but just understanding the importance of that not not the hunt yeah. itself right like not that we're thinning out coyotes but just what it stands for and exactly the fact that you know what they're just not coming for coyote contests. You know, it's just the easiest no. thing for them to, to throw out there to the masses and say, Oh my God, look at what they're doing to these, you know, look at this pile of coyotes, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, once they got that and they've, like you said, they've been successful, Arizona band, Colorado yeah. band, New Mexico band, you know, they've been after Nevada for several years now. It's, you know, Oregon and Washington probably aren't far behind, you know? So nope. yeah, it's You're right. It's, They've come after Wyoming several times, the best of the oh the, yeah, the best contest and things like that. So they're out there, but yeah, we we gotta stick together and and these coyote contests are fun. That's what I always loved most about them was the camaraderie, yeah. you know, just seeing dudes that you see like once a year, you know, and whether you did good or not good, it don't matter. Everybody shows up and talks about killing coyotes and and uh you have a good time and you're supporting a good cause. So Right. How many lifelong friends have been made? Just, you know, guys sharing a beer or whatever, meeting, meeting at, at a coyote calling contest check-in, right? Oh, I'm, just... I'm like the poster child for that. Like probably what I consider probably my best, you know, top half of my best 10 friends, I'll met at coyote contests, <laughs> you know, yeah, over the last right. 15, 20 years, you know? And so, yeah, it's just, it's weird. It's one of those things that, uh, if you haven't done it, you know, I'm sure there's guys listening there. I mean, there's coyote contests all over the country now, 
easy, yeah. like you said, a lot of them are going to, you know, uh, almost a luck of the draw style of hunt, meaning you don't have to go kill a thousand coyotes to win it, right? You you might right. just be the the biggest coyote killed in the whole tournament will win it. So yeah, all you have to sure. do is go out and maybe get, kill one coyote today, or some of them are maybe three coyotes or whatever it may be. But yeah, you know, heck, and it's just an excuse to go hunting, right? Like, hey, let's exactly. let's sign up, hey bro, let's sign up, let's go, uh, let's get in this coyote contest and the fun, the strategy, like the anticipation. It's even amped up more than just your normal fun day of going and calling coyotes, right? Um, yeah, you know, so yeah, I'd encourage anybody go support your little local coyote contest out of the bar or you know the fire station or whatever they're doing. Give it a shot, you know, and uh, you'll you'll be around a bunch of like minded dudes and and you'll have a hell of a good time. Yeah, and I I've even seen people that aren't coyote hunters; they're just happen to be in the bar, you know, whatever and uh calcutta's taking place and they're like yeah i'll buy in and, and buy a team and <laughs> yeah. not you know and like whatever and end up winning money they're like hell yeah i love coyote hunts it pays me and i don't even have to leave the you know comfort of the bar stool <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah it's uh well like you say you just more excuses get out hunting and and you know go ask landowners look for places to go and hunt and, and build relationships because you know, there's landowners that are happy to have people come and hunt coyotes and thin their coyotes out. And who knows, that might turn into a place to go deer hunting or elk hunting or whatever, right? Yep. You might build another relationship there uh, that, that, you know, will be beneficial in the future. So, yeah, I think it's just another excuse to go meet people, like-minded people, um, and learn new things and get out and hunt and, and, and be in more country. And excuses to go do that are good. That's what we need. Absolutely. More yes. <laughs> Well, Fonzie, Ben, I know you're waiting. Your daughter's about ready to jump out of gymnastics. So we're going to cut this off so you can get to get cool. her taken care of. But man, I really appreciate your time jumping on here with me. This has been fun. You bet. My, uh, my pleasure. I, what, I'm uh, what's the best the way, what's the best way to somebody, if somebody was interested in coming out to, to horse outfitters on a hunt, um, you know, for, for big game with you guys, what's the, the best way for them to find out more info on that? Well, they can uh, look us up. We're on our website is uh, fourhorseoutfitter.com. So four is spelled out F-O-U-R, horseoutfitter.com. And then uh, social media, uh, Facebook, we've got Four Horse Outfitters uh, page and then Instagram, Four Horse Outfitters as well. And uh, any of those, or they can give me a phone call, shoot me a text. I don't have a problem giving my number out. It's area code 307 six eight nine two eight six five and yeah they can they can call me text me whatever uh i, I might not answer I might be busy working gathering cattle yeah. whatever chasing kids to sports or uh <laughs> whatever but leave me a message shoot me text whatever i'll get back to you or hit me up on on social media um message me or or whatever but uh yeah well, i'm gonna vouch I, for I you the that coyote hunters out. make the best big game guides i'm just gonna throw that out there right now right uh, you're absolutely correct <laughs> you're absolutely correct because yeah that's right because those guys are out in the field all the time you know and they see you know the big game year round not only during hunt season they're seeing their habits where they're at so you're right there's a, a lot of crossover there heck yeah <laughs> well sounds good man well i appreciate you coming on uh, appreciate everybody everybody for listening for another episode here of eastman's predator pros obviously we can't do this without you guys so uh, you know, I invite you to go on to, if you're listening on Spotify, you know, give this podcast a five-star review. If you're listening on, on your iPhone or iTunes, 
um, jump on there. You can review it. You can give it a rating. You know, those those ratings and those reviews go a long, long ways when it comes to the longevity of a podcast like this and it comes, you know, keeping the sponsors involved and everybody else. So really appreciate the support there. And obviously we can't do this without the sponsors. So got to thank them. Six Hour Optics, Swagger Bipods, Hornady, Lucky Duck Predator Calls, Silencer Central, Cryptech, Juniper Mountain Coffee, Onyx Hunt, and of course Eastman's for putting this all together for you guys, bringing it to you. Um, I know right now big game seasons are kind of rolling rolling down. I know if you go over to the Eastman's website, they're uh, starting to do some tag hub stuff, starting to look at applications because that's all coming up. Right, Fonzie? You're in the big game world. The, the application process is probably not too far down the road now. You know, so exactly. Yep. Starts right after the first of the year for us for uh for non-resident elk. So yep, it's right around yep. the corner. So it's time you get over to Eastman's website there and, and they'll uh, point you in the right direction. So once again, want to thank you guys for listening and we will catch you next time right here on the Eastman's Predator Pros podcast.